0: Paul told Timothy to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We cannot grow as Christians and we cannot be effective witnesses without a good command of the word of God. If we don't know the Bible, then we're, we're dead in the water, y'all. Our feelings, our experiences, and all of that is not sufficient. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. The most important thing that springs forth from this is that we have the tools necessary to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. Because we're, in this world, there's all kinds of answers, all kinds of solutions that are being proposed for the ills of this world, but y'all, none of it, none of it is going to get anything done if you don't start where you need to start, and that's that we are sinners. We are sinners by nature, we're sinners by birth, we're sinners by choice, and every ill that plagues society springs from that truth, that we are a sinful fallen creation. And that we cannot save ourselves, we cannot better ourselves, we cannot improve ourselves. The only hope that we have is that someone who does not owe the sin debt would come and pay the debt in our place. And that's exactly what Jesus did. The Son of God came to this earth, took our sins upon himself, died, was buried, and on the third day rose again, and offers his blood as the one and final sacrifice for our sins. And the Bible is clear. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That faith activates God's grace. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. If we don't constantly remind ourselves of that. Then what we end up doing is become students of the Bible for its own sake. I know plenty of people that are professional students, but they never put it to work. They never do anything with it. And that's true not just in Bible study, that's true in a lot of things. I mean, I I know guys that have got several advanced degrees in a given, but they they have yet to actually put it to work. You know, at some point, at some point, an engineering degree ought to result in some engineering, right? At at, at some point, a theology degree ought to result in. And some theolo- theologicalizing in trying to reach people for Jesus, you know. And by the way, you don't have to have a degree to do that. So let's, uh, let's just go over, let's, let's pray, let's do that, let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, would you help me tonight as I uh, sort through what to cover, what to leave out, what to put off till next week. Father, we got a lot of material tonight that I'm pretty confident we won't get through at all. So Lord, would you give me wisdom, show me what you want me to cover tonight. And would you just help us as we uh, look to your word and how to study your word? Just speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, again, we're using uh, this book, Living by the, Living by the Book, by uh, Howard Hendricks as kind of our, our template, our framework, if you will. Uh, some, there's, there's some things I agree with him with, some things that I don't, but I, I love the basic system that he puts forward, and I think it's profitable for us to use it and to work through it. Uh, I think that biblical literacy is one of the biggest problems in churches all over America. There's a whole lot of Christians out there. They're saved. They're going to heaven, and they just don't know their Bibles. And so uh, it's important to me. Remember, good churches study the Bible corporately like we're doing tonight, but great churches are filled with people who study the Bible privately and individually. And so uh, we're trying to really whet that appetite for that. Let's do some uh, review as we uh, go in, uh, first of all, Psalm 119. Would you go there? Let's let's start with scripture. That's always a great place to start, isn't it? Our uh, our Bible class, who also was doing this, you are well behind them. They just finished lesson 17, um, and uh, they are loving every minute of it. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, we we recite this verse at the beginning of every. Class period. This is the verse that I recite to myself every time I open the word of God. Psalm one, nineteen, eighteen. 18. The psalmist says, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I'm a big believer in praying the scriptures, and I don't know a better way to ask God to show me something from his word than to use what the psalmist said. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Effective Bible study requires a method. Now, remember, a method is a strategy, a plan of attack that will yield maximum results for your investment of time and effort. And we gave you a formula. You remember this? The right steps plus the right order equals the right results. And that's true in anything. Now, beyond the power of God's Spirit, you understand nobody's going to get anywhere with the Word of God without the Holy Ghost to teach them. But beyond that, there are three ingredients to successful Bible study. Number one is observation. What do I see? The second is interpretation. What does this mean? And then application. What should I do with this information? Okay. And so we began by talking a little bit about observation, and we're still within that, within that, that area. And we talked about the elements of observation. Now, these are things you're going to hear over and over and over and over. So I suggest you go ahead and commit them to memory. Uh, Our students already have. They've been quizzed on it, I think, twice now. The elements of observation. Number one, know your terms. Know what things mean. Number two, recognize structure. Grammatical structure, literary structure. Number three, take note of what the literary form is. Are we talking about poetry? Are we talking about a narrative? Are we talking about parables or whatever? And then number four, atmosphere. What are the circumstances surrounding the writing, the narrative, the writer, any of those things? Then we talked about interpretation. I'll slow down when you'll have to start writing stuff. Um, interpretation. What are the keys to proper interpretation? If I wanna, If I want to really get this right, what does this mean? Here are the keys. Number one, ask questions. Number two, look for answers. And number three, integration, which means assembling information into a conclusion. Then we get to the part that that we most look for, I think, is application. What does this mean for me? What do I do with this? What are the implications for me? What are the implications for others? Be reminded that application is the so what of Bible study. All right, so what? I've studied this passage, so what? What do I do with that? And then always keep in mind the big picture. What's the big picture? The grand story of redemption. That's the big picture. Everything points to redemption. All right? Perhaps you'll remember that there are three steps for careful, effective Bible study. Number one, read. Well, duh. But yeah, actually read. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Number two, record. Psalm 119.11 says, I will meditate in thy, pre- I'm sorry, Psalm 119.11, thy word have I hid. I've stored it up. I've treasured it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I'm, I'm, I'm taking note. I'm recording. And then reflect. Psalm 119.15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. First Timothy 4.13-15, through 15. Paul says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. We talked about the value of observation. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Again, that's our verse for tonight. All right, so now tonight... How to read the Bible. Well, man alive, I should have just stayed home. I already know how to read the Bible. Do you? I didn't say you don't know how to read. Do you know how to read the Bible? Do you approach the Bible the same way um, that you would some secular work that you're reading? I'm I'm a big fan of a writer named Jeff Shirah. Jeff Shirah writes historical fiction. I'm not generally a fan of fiction, but his historical fiction is really, really well done and and really plausible where it's not actually factual. And he's written, if you're familiar with that, the movie Gettysburg, it was based off of a book written by his dad. And then he wrote Gone for Soldiers, which is a prequel to the Civil War. And then he wrote uh, um, Gods and Generals. No, that was the prequel. And then anyway, he wrote a lot of books. And he's written books about the Korean War and World War II, a bunch of them about World War II. And and he, he focuses on personalities, and I really enjoy his work. I really do. But I don't approach those books the same way I approach this book. I just finished reading a couple of books that have really been helpful to me. One of them is called Turn the Ship Around. It's about leadership. Great book. Great book. But it's not this book. You see, this book has one major distinction over all others. This book alone is inspired by God. The only one that's inspired by God. 66 books from Genesis to Revelation. And so we're not just talking about how to read more effectively. We're talking specifically how to read your Bible. Because it is different. It is different. So what, what is our goal? What is our aim? We want to learn to read better and faster. What do I mean? We want to be more effective in our reading, and we want to be more efficient. And when you combine these two things, you form an English teacher, one of their favorite words, comprehension. Comprehension. because there's a difference between reading and reading for comprehension, isn't it? And I'm going to I'm going to test you today. We're going to do a little exercise. Okay? We're going to take about 30 seconds or so and I'm going to ask you to read what's on the screen. Okay? You ready? Let me uh set a timer here. Otherwise, I am liable to uh I'm liable to, okay, well, that's five minutes, No, I don't want that. I probably should have looked at how to do this first. I've never done this on here. No, I don't want that either. Okay. I think we're good. All right. Yes, Wynn should have an H. The Slide guy's got problems. It's riveting, by the way, isn't it? The kids thought so too. I know what you're thinking. Shut up, I'm trying to read. All right, let's take a quiz. So I didn't get it done yet. That's part of the quiz. All right. I'm going to ask you five questions. Okay? What I want you to do is you should have on your sheet there you can circle true or false. Don't cheat. Don't look on each other's. Just don't cheat. Here we go. Number one, true or false? Dry ice is made from water, but because it is specially treated, it does not melt. Circle true or false? All right, done? True or false? It's false. Good job. Okay. Question number two. First dry ice, dry ice was manufactured in the 50s. Don't say it out loud yet. Circle it. Oh, don't. Don't say anything. Just circle it. It's false. Okay. Show-offs. All right. Number three, don't answer it out loud. Dry ice has more uses than ordinary ice all right true or false that's true next question dry ice is not as cold as ordinary ice true or false? false that is false last one This is the weirdest church service y'all have ever been in, isn't it? I never claimed not to be weird when I came here. Artificial fog can be made by passing steam over dry ice. True. All right. Turn your papers in now. Probably... Most of y'all got all or most of them correct. Okay, but in our class when we did this, that wasn't the case for a couple of reasons. One is they're still learning how to really pay attention when they read. More so the younger than the older. I've got ninth through twelfth grade. The ninth graders struggled with it more than the 11th and 12th graders. Another thing that was interesting to me some of them got wrong answers, not because they didn't read the initial paragraphs correctly and carefully. They didn't read the questions carefully. See? Now, what in the world is the point? Why would we do this? Because there's a whole lot of Christians, they skim the Bible And they get what they think are the major points, and in doing so, they miss a whole lot of information, and sometimes misrepresent the information that's in the Bible, because they don't take their time to read for comprehension, okay? We need to learn to read the Bible for what it is. It is a love letter. Now, we have about left the error era, ERA, of love letters. You know, Pat Boone is still around, but love letters in the sand are not a big thing anymore. Yeah, I knew that. But I remember them. And when I would get a letter from a girl... And yes, it did happen on time, time to time. And by the time my wife and I got together, we were texting and emailing. Not nearly as good. But fellas that are a little bit older, my age or maybe beyond that, what's the first thing you notice when you got a love letter from your honey? I don't know about y'all, mine smelled a certain way. Ooh, that perfume, you know. And when I would open it, I would read it over and over and over and over because I wanted to make sure to squeeze everything out of that letter that was there. I wanted to read the lines. I wanted to read between the lines. I wanted to read what she said, and I wanted to read what she meant. Now here's my question, how much more should we be doing that with this love letter? reading it over and over again to squeeze everything out of it that we can to see what God says and what it means for us and read the lines and read in between the lines and get everything out of this love letter that we can. And every one of those love letters I put in a box and I kept them safe until that relationship was no more. And then I burnt the box and moved on. I accidentally found one. I didn't know I still had it. After I was married, I burnt that thing fast For Crystal found it. <laughs> Lest she think I held on to one for old time's sake. I put it in a box and I took care of it. And what do we do? Treat this like it's nothing. The Bible is God's love letter To us, he wrote it over the course about fifteen hundred years, using forty or so writers, and it's still just as fresh and new and wonderful as when John finished the book of Revelation. All right, I'm going to go ahead and give you what we're going to cover for the next several weeks. Okay, we're going to look at ten strategies for first-rate reading. If you want to read the Bible for all all you can, here's ten strategies. Okay, I'm going to move through them quickly. One, read, they're they're in your le- your list, right? I don't you don't have to write those in. I don't think I did that to you. Read thoughtfully, read repeatedly, read patiently, read selectively, read prayerfully, read imaginatively, read meditatively, read purposefully, read acquisitively, read telescopically. What in the world does it mean to read telescopically? We'll we'll talk about that when we get there, or you can buy the book. Okay? Well, we'll cover that. Okay, these are the 10 things that we're going to cover. We'll probably get them done tonight, next week, maybe the week after. I think within three weeks, we'll get all these done. Okay? So let's begin with reading thoughtfully. If you have the book, this is pages 79 through 82. Read thoughtfully. Go to Proverbs chapter 2, would you? Proverbs chapter 2. Now, I will apologize in advance. We're not going to use a lot of scripture right now, not because it's not important to, but we're, we're setting the stage for later. And so there'll be a little more academic and less scripture. And I apologize for that. I'm trying to find a way to do both. Proverbs chapter two, verse number one. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Most interested, we're talking about reading thoughtfully. I'm most interested in that part right there. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, if I told you that somewhere on this church property is a large vein of silver and you are welcome to as much of it as you can carry out of here, you just got to look for it. Would you take me up on that well first of all, as members of the church, you'd want to know why I'm telling people that because you know but let's just say let's just say you know all that's moot and Everybody's got a free-for-all. Of course you're going to look for it. That's the attitude. That's that's the way we need to approach the Word of God is there's, there's, there's jewels in this thing. There's silver and gold in this thing. We ought to get to digging. Read thoughtfully. What does it mean to read thoughtfully? Well, let me give you some principles for thoughtful reading. Number one, barrage the text with questions. What does barrage mean? Barrage is, you know, just... Coming after it, and coming after it, and coming after it, and coming after it. Barrage the text with questions. I have certain students in school, they are good at barraging with questions. And they are almost always difficult questions. Now, it, it represents they've been thinking, and I appreciate that. But sometimes they'll hit me with something, and I'm just like, you just going to have to ask God when you get to heaven because I don't know what to tell you, you know. That's the mindset that we ought to have when we're, when we're reading the Bible thoughtfully. What questions? Well, we're going to cover those questions when we get to selective reading, reading selectively. So just hold that, put a pen in that. Number two, when you're reading, sort out relationships. Now, what does that mean? When you're reading a passage of Scripture that has a number of people there, especially in narratives, find out what you can about those people. Let me give you an example. When you're reading through the Gospels, find out everything you can about Jesus and his disciples. Did you know that Peter, James, John, and Andrew were all in business together? Peter and Andrew were brothers. James and John were brothers. Does that do you think that comes into play later on when they're all being disciples together? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I'm of the I'm of the belief, I'm not gonna say it's a conviction because I'm not willing to die over it, but but I'm of the belief that James and John and Jesus were cousins. And I'm not going through that tonight, but I, I think I think that their mother and Mary, Jesus' mother, were sisters. Does that play into things? Sure it does. When you're looking at the life of David, are there relations to figure out that, that, that play into this thing? Absolutely. Are there are there things that pop up when you realize that David's first wife was, was Saul's daughter? Yeah. What about when you find out that the might that the man that, that David had murdered, Uriah, was one of his mighty men that was with him during his rough roughest times? Says something about David, doesn't it? Sort out relationships. Number three, reconstruct situations. What do I mean by that? When you're reading, and this takes a little bit of imagination, think about those situations and how they play out. An example that I would use is Job. What must it have been like? Where's Job? What's Job doing? He's offering sacrifices for his kids in case they've wandered from God. And then one right after the another, servants come with bad, bad news, one right after the other. Situation gets worse and worse and worse and worse. One situation a lot of people don't give thought to, with every bit of this news that comes in, you've got a lady in the background that's weeping alongside of him. number 4 determine what feelings might be involved now we don't put a premium on feelings but it is a useful tool when you're reading about somebody and what they're going through to think about their feelings here's a great example if your joseph marries a spoused husband and mary comes back from nazareth showing what do you feel it makes the step of faith that he took in in obedience to that vision and his dream all the more incredible. Because I know what I'm thinking. I know what I'm feeling. Well, I don't know if we should interject feelings in it. Why not? They're, They're subject to like passions like we are. They're made of the same stuff. Joseph had every right to feel like he did until God told him different. How about this? When you're reading thoughtfully, you determine what issues are covered. What what issue did we talk about a little bit when we, we covered Philemon on Sunday morning? Slavery. Paul's letter to Philemon says something about the place that slavery has in the life of a Christian. And that place is, it has no place. Then, as you're asking questions, determine what questions remain unanswered. Uh you know, good night. We could <laughs> we could uh we could spend a lot of time here. Do you have questions that remain unanswered for you? Here's a big one. When's Jesus coming back? Well I have the answer. No, you don't either. No, you don't. None of us do. Jesus didn't until the Father gave it to him. Now, here's number seven. Communicate what you find out to somebody else. Now, what does this do? Well, number one, it's always good to talk about the word of God to other people and to get used to doing that. But number two, if you communicate what you find to somebody else, that demonstrates that you understand what you read. I do this to the kids a lot. All right, what does that mean? I had them do that, was other day or yesterday? I think it was today. Read this passage. All right, summarize it. Three sentences or less. If you can't, then you didn't, you didn't get it. So go back and do it again. So read thoughtfully. Next, read repeatedly. Pages 83 through 88. Read repeatedly. Several things go under this one. Read entire books at one sitting. What? Now, some of these books are not going to be, it's not going to be practical to do that, okay? Uh, you're not likely to get through Genesis at one sitting. Psalms, Jeremiah, not if you have other things that you have to do, okay? Now, if you've reached a point in life where you've got nowhere to go and nowhere to be, feel free. But I'll tell you what you can read in one sitting, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Lamentations, Um, Jonah. When we did our study of Galatians, forgive me if this sounds super spiritual, I don't mean for it to, but because I wanted to understand what I was teaching and preaching, I read the book of Galatians every day, six chapters every day. And when you, when you commit to a book and you keep reading that over and over again, you get really familiar with the book from a bird's eye view and what its, what its theme is and what it's trying to tell you. Here's another good tip. As you're reading repeatedly, read along with recordings of Scripture. How many of you, how many of you all would know this name, Alexander Scorby? When I was a kid... I was pretty convinced that was the voice of God, this rich, baritone, British voice. <laughs> now, there's any number of, of recordings available of the Scripture now, and, and <laughs> some of us still have our Scorby tapes, you know, in the big binder. Good luck finding something to play it on. Um, but now, if you have a cell phone, you've got access to any number of recordings of Scripture. Why do we recommend that? Well, first of all, does it stand to reason if you're getting learning in through two gates instead of one that you're you're getting twice the information? You're seeing it and you're hearing it, and we'll talk about that more later too. You're seeing it and you're hearing it. I'll tell you what else it does. It keeps me focused. It keeps me focused. It actually is more efficient because when I'm reading, I'll speed up and I'll slow down and I'll, oh, and oh. But when I'm listening to Scorby or whoever, you know, it keeps me on pace. It's useful. It helps you learn how to say certain words. That man could pronounce every Bible word in there. And there have been times when I'm covering a passage here and here. I've gone and asked Alexander Scorby, How do you say this word? You know, I was convinced he was the voice of God, and I remain convinced that the Pharaoh of the Exodus looked like Yul Brenner. I'm converting to both of those things. I do not believe Moses looked like Charlton Heston, though. Kind of in the same vein, read scripture aloud. Now, don't, there are times that that wouldn't be appropriate or useful, you know, like if you're reading ahead during one of my sermons, do that quietly, you know, somebody busts out right now, praise ye the Lord, sing it, but read out loud. Here's one, use a Bible reading schedule. Now, let me give you a little caveat on this. I grew up in a culture that said, if you don't read through the Bible at least once a year, you don't love God. I have read through the Bible because of that threat. Good night. Scores of times. Okay. I talked to a man not too long ago, a man that I really admire and am a good friend with guy that God's got his hand on. And I was talking to him about this. We had talked about several things, and we got on this. And he said, Brother Davis, I, I quit reading through the Bible a long time ago. At that particular time, you know what he said? He said, I've been living in the book of Mark. And that's okay. Now, don't do that to exclusion of the rest of the Bible. Don't spend the rest of your natural life just reading the Psalms because you like the Psalms. No, you need the whole diet but you don't have to read through the Bible in a year because it's so easy. It's so easy to start reading to check off that day's checklist and not actually reading to comprehend. Man alive, I was sick the other day. I'm, I'm behind four chapters, and so I got to catch up. Don't do that. Don't do that. But that said... It's good to have some kind of a structure. That's instead of, oh, what should I read today? No, let all things be done decently and in order. Okay, So have some kind of a structure. And, and I think this is his wording. I think I would change it to use a Bible reading structure. Some kind of structure, a plan. Okay. Then, as you're reading... Always maintain the principles of observation. What's that? Define your terms, note your structures, note literary form, note atmosphere. That always needs to be in your thinking when you're reading the Bible. Okay? Next. Oh, I put that on there, didn't I? Okay. Read patiently. The author says this, the fruit of the word takes time to ripen. The fruit of the word takes time to ripen. Let me give you some thoughts about this, reading patiently. First of all, when you approach God's word, prepare to be in it for the long haul. The Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon, and studying God's word is not a sprint either. I can't tell you how many times this has happened to me, Brother Branson. I'll read a passage, and then to get context, I'll read the passage before and after. And then I think, well, you know what? I need to get a basic theme of the whole book. And then before I know it, it's turned into a series, or I've just put it aside and said, no, I'm going to study this whole book before I preach this one message. And that's okay. Because Bible study is a lifetime pursuit. And I'm just going to let you know right now, spoiler alert, we're not going to get it all in. If you live to be a thousand years old, you won't get it all in. One of the great things about eternity is we're going to have eternity to study the Word of God. I don't think when we get to heaven we're going to know everything. I think part of the, forgive me, the fun of heaven is we're going to learn. Plus, get this, we're going to learn with better brains. Our human mind is not capable of taking in the wonders of this book. And my, my favorite analogy to use is two. First, the Trinity. One God, three persons, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Explain it, please. And then you get into all kinds of wrong doctrines trying to explain the Trinity. Modalism and all that stuff. You know what the only real answer to that is? I don't understand it, but God's Word teaches it, and I believe it. That's pretty much it. But here's the one that I I love bringing up to the kids because I see them trying. Let's talk about eternity. Yeah, I can fathom something never-ending, just keep going and going and going and going and going. I said, okay, that's half of eternity. Now I want you to process something that never began. And before long, the smoke comes out of the ears and At some point in heaven, if you're watching me, at some point you're going to see me go, uh uh-oh, at some point you're going to see me go, no, the Trinity, I get it, but it ain't going to be here. I don't know if I'll ever get eternity. I'll have eternity to work on it, you know. We don't have the minds, but when we get to heaven, we'll be able to learn with a glorified mind that has no sin, that has no corruption to it. And man, that's going to be fun. But for here, be willing to be in it for the long haul. A good suggestion that he makes. Work with one book for one month. We, we work on a rhythm. Even, our, even our, our, our thinking happens on a rhythm. And maybe, maybe pick out a book and say, you know what? I'm going to hang out in the book of James for one month. So for the month of October, I'm going to be in James. And I'm going to read James over and over and over and over and over. Work with one book for one month. I like this one. Zoom in and zoom out. I did this the other day. I was uh, Somebody posted a picture on Facebook of uh, the uh, Ambassador Royal Treat Girls Volleyball team. And, you know, they're all standing in front of the net. This was, this was not the one they played us. This was the one before that. And I was just, you know, scrolling through, and I saw the picture, and something caught my eye. So you know what I did? I zoomed in. And sure enough, Rhett's kind of leaning up against the wall looking weird. And that's what I was looking at. I zoomed in. It's okay to do that with the Word of God. You're reading, hey, zoom in on that for a minute. That's a good thing to do. But sometimes it's equally profitable to zoom out. What do I mean? All right, Genesis is a daunting book. I intend on preaching through Genesis in the not-so-distant future. It's a daunting book if you zoom in. And there's a lot to cover in 50 chapters. But if you zoom out, Genesis looks less daunting. What do I mean by that? Well, the first 11 chapters, what do they cover? Three things. Creation, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. Just three things. Now, is there a lot going on? Yeah. But if you zoom out, that's not nearly as intimidating, is it? The creation, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. That leaves Genesis 12 through 50. Man alive, that's, that's a lot of stuff. Not really. Not when you zoom out. You know how much it covers? Four generations. There's four main characters in Genesis 12 through 50. Who are they? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Now, there's a lot of ancillary characters in that, but if you look at it from a bird's eye view, you know what? I could handle studying Abraham's life. And then I could get to Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. I, I could do that. That's what happens when you zoom out, but sometimes you want to zoom in, and you want to look at specifics. Another example is the Gospel of John. Did you know the Gospel of John only covers a span of three years? Three years. Now, with the exception of of verses one through five, verses one through five reaches into eternity past. In the beginning God, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But after verse five, it covers three years. And here's, here's the great part. Genesis 11, John 11 through 21 only covers about a week. Now, that's zooming in right there. When you've got chapters 11 through 21 covering one week, that's a zoom in right there. Let's see? So, zoom in and zoom out. So, prepare to be in it for the long haul. Work with one book for one month. Zoom in and zoom out. Then, number four, alter your approach. We all have different ways we like to study the Bible. For me, I love doing word and language studies. Now, that separates me from a lot of people because most people didn't have the opportunity to go to you know, college and, and study biblical languages and things like that. And so, though you're perfectly able to do it and you, you're, you know, you're smart enough to do it, I had the advantage of being taught how to use tools and things like that. And so, it's something that appeals to me. And I love doing it. But maybe you like to do character studies. Maybe you like to focus in on people. The life of Paul, the life of David, the life of Abraham, things like that. Okay. Some people like to do chain references. And if you have a Thompson chain study Bible, you know how that works. Some people like to study individual books. Some people like to study chronology. And how things happen in order. Some people like to study genealogy. Some people like to study archaeology and historical things. And what was happening, happening historically around places in the Bible. Luke 2 comes to mind. All that happened in the middle of a big deal going on in Rome. Some like to focus on prophecy. Some like to focus on poetry. Some like to focus on the parables. Some like to focus on doctrinal studies. And all of those are great, but don't get hung in one. Alter your approach. Alter your approach. Talking about reading patiently, two principles of patience to sum it up. Number one, be patient with the text. It'll yield what it's supposed to yield to you when God wants it to yield it to you. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been here? Have you ever studied a passage and you just it, it just the light didn't switch on for you, and you kept at it and you kept at it and you kept at it, and you were about ready to just walk away from it, and then all of a sudden God said and gave it to you. It'll come when He wants it to come. Be patient with the text, and then be patient with yourself. Andy, I'm going to quit coming on Wednesday nights because this is too much information. I'm never going to get all this. Yes, you will. You will. Be patient with yourself. I should have put a third one here. Be patient with me, but that wasn't in the book. Be patient. All right, it's 8 o'clock. I have reading selectively. And now I'm man I'm right on the do I do I do I push through? You say, "Well, I've only got, you know, like a handful of things right here. You can cover that, right?" Yeah, but my notes is way longer. I'm just giving you less to write. So I think in that vein, we'll stop here.